0: And sit and wonder why, babe. If you don't know by now, and it ain't no use in and sitting and wonder why, babe. It'll never do somehow. When the rooster crows in the of dawn, looking you your window, and I'll be gone. You're the reason I'm traveling on. Don't look twice. It's all right. Hey, I know you. Is all right. Hey, hey. Is all right. It's all right. It's all right. It ain't no hey, I know you. Hello. Hey.
1: We're back. We're actually back. I mean, we're back on campus. Did you hear me? There are students back on campus. Did you hear me? They're not inside of my Zoom screen. Well, I mean, half of them are, but half of them are in desks, in masks, inside of a room. And I'm still sitting at a desk in front of a screen, and everybody's still on Zoom and using Google Classroom, but we're making some strides and making some shines. It actually feels pretty good. It's weird. March 1st was like the first day of school. I was feeling that nervousness, that excitement. And then I got there and it was just, eh, I didn't feel the excitement from the students. I think things got too weird, not just weird, but I think things got too weird where now students are more comfortable doing high school at home. Not all, not all. I'm always just speaking about my own sample size. But here's how it works. If your last name is A through L, you come on Monday and Tuesday. If your last name is M through Z, you come to class on Thursday and Friday. Wednesday is still remote, so I'm basically Zooming with kids in the classroom and kids at home simultaneously. But they gave the kids the option. It's not mandatory to come to campus. So when I noticed the attendance is sparse, that a lot of the kids took the option to just stay home. Hey, stay with your refrigerator and your own toilet and your pets and your favorite blankies and all of the many distractions of the devices surrounding you at all times. You can stay with that or we'll shove you back into a desk. Your choice. Well, a lot of the kids said, hey, fuck your desks. We're staying in bed. And I'm so naive, I was talking with a few of my students, I was like, wow, are a lot of kids scared of COVID-19? And they laughed in my face. Well, from more than three feet away, they laughed in my face and they said, Mr. Rosenberg, you dumb son of a bitch. Teenagers are not scared of COVID-19. Teenagers are lazy. And for the first time in their lives, they're being told. You don't have to come to school. I mean, school's open on some days, but you don't have to come. We'll still mark you present. If you arrive on Zoom, we'll still mark you present. Don't worry about your attendance. So a lot of these kids are not as eager as I anticipated them to be. Their parents are eager. Get the hell out of the house. I fully understand the parents are done with remote learning. But what we didn't realize is after a year, people get used to things. So now it's a very foreign feeling. To be back in the classroom. And I see these kids come into my classroom with their masks and they're like, ah, ah, what do we do? Up is down, down is up, right is left. How does the world work? What's gravity? How does it work? I don't know either. But let's all just try again. Socializing in person? How does this work? I don't know. But I think we have to try. They're too comfy at home. I didn't even see that coming. I thought that they would kick in the door and say, I'm back, baby. Instead, yeah, they're lethargic. We'll see. It'll be a slow progression, but a year away, and I'm back, and I feel safe, and I'm half vaccinated now. I'm half vaxxed with my second dose coming up March 16th. If you want to mark that on your calendars at home, that's March 16th for the second dose of Pfizer. So it felt surreal. Needless to say, you know what else made it feel surreal? As I was leaving on the first day, walking back to my car, there was one lone reporter in front of a video camera on a tripod. One lone reporter from Telemundo. And this lady, really sweet lady, was standing near my car. And as I walked in my car, she asked me, Are you a teacher there? I said, I am a teacher here. And she said, Would you mind speaking to us on Telemundo for tonight's news? And I said, In English or Spanish? And she said, English is fine. And she interviewed me for five minutes. And I can tell with her line of questioning that she wanted me to express how scared I was to be back on campus. And I wasn't. Like I said, I feel safe. I'm in a mask, they're on a mask. The sweet kids were socially distanced, at least when I saw them. So after five minutes, she ended the interview. I'm not even sure I gave her what she wanted. And then I thought, hmm if I'm making my Telemundo debut tonight, maybe I'll tune in. And I did. And I'll play the audio right now. And you'll hear me for two and a half seconds say I'm nervous. It's the only English of this news package. I truly don't understand why I was on. And the question remains, did I dream all of it? Let's see if you'll be able to tell which part is me.
2: En el Condado de Marín, escuelas preparatorias como la de Novato pudieron hoy finalmente reabrir a clases presenciales a través de un modelo híbrido. Allí le dieron hoy la bienvenida a estudiantes de grados noveno y décimo como Juan. Se pues alegra bien, me siento con energía todo. Yo quería estudiar, hablar con los amigos, ya la cuarentena me tuvo todo aburrido veces por semana a clases persona durante horas It
1: was funny because I was nervous.
2: Gracioso que me sentía nervioso como si fuera mi primer día en la escuela, That's
1: it. That's it. Five-minute interview turned into two seconds of me saying, it's funny, I was nervous. When really nothing was funny and I wasn't nervous, it was totally out of context. You like that? Now I'm on the other side of it. Telling the journalists, hey, it's fake news. Should we hear that one more time?
2: Yeah. It
1: was funny
2: because I was nervous.
1: Okay, okay, okay. I, uh, how do I say? Wanted a little more? Telemundo spotlight? All the lady had to say was, en español, por favor. And I could have stumbled through it. I'm not complaining. How about that? I genuinely mean it. I'm not complaining about anything. Well, my mask is a little uncomfortable, but aside from that, I'm not complaining about the pandemic anymore. I've noticed a lot of people are still complaining. Parents, teachers, administrators, kids. If you listen closely, you'll still hear some complaints. I'm not complaining anymore. I feel like the finish line is too close to be aggravated. We've been aggravated for too long. Let's all just release it, all right? Yeah, it's time for a breath. (sighs)
0: <sighs> Telemundo. Ain't no use in out my line, babe. I got a root
1: canal on the same day that we came back to campus, and I've never been so impressed with somebody in their profession. This endodontrist in an endodontics office said so many things that I did not understand for so long that I just found myself in awe. Just beyond impressed. I was like, here's a guy that has trained in the world of dentistry to make a root canal look easy. There was even music playing, and he was singing along with the song. That's how easy it is for this guy to give a root canal. It's probably the, I don't know, 50,000th root canal this guy's performed. Just singing Fleetwood Mac as he's going in with the drill, he's humming along. I get a 31 on that and he's got his assistant on the other side of my face he's just saying so many things I don't know and they're in English like I still understand that these are English words but I'm just listening in as he's describing what seem to be codes numbers letters words could I get a 32 adhesion be a 15 alloy on the alveoplasty. And she's just nodding. Hey, Josh, could you turn this way? A little ancillary on the 22. Put an end back. End back. Minimal sedation. We got moderate. All right. Hey, Josh, is that feeling a little numb for you? <laughs> it is, huh? Okay, good. Let's go 44. Up affects it. Mm-hmm. Up affects it on the 44. Eh, maybe we'll go 43 on that. Josh, you okay? You with me, bud? Good, good, good. Rihanna. We got bonded out to the bicuspid on a 17. Uh, Crank it up to 18, would you? Josh, you can't feel any of this, right? Ah, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. Are you really asking me questions when my mouth is like this? I'm good. Let's go with the 54 on the exclusion excision, on the excitosis, on the sastatosis, on the 525, on the 4NM on the frac, on the fricture on the frac. Maybe pump it up to 216. Yeah, we'll get that. Down. Hey, Josh, I'm going to put a post in, you know, and that's just to be safe moving forward. Okay. How you doing there? I'm good. I'm good. I'm great. I'm great. Thanks, Doc. We'll go in a 32.14. No, no, I don't want to go to 32. Can you take a picture of that? Josh, you good? Uh-huh. One hour of that shit. And in the end, I genuinely mean this pain-free. My root canal was pain free. If I had that exact operation 50 years ago, I'm taking a month off of work. I'm purchasing a handle of Maker's Mark, and I'm locking myself in my bedroom with tears, tears streaming down my cheeks. But hey, it's 2021. And this endodontist is such a pro, such a smooth operator. He could probably sing Smooth Operator by Sade and give me a root canal. And in the end, he was just like, All right, man, gave me a wink. Have a good one. Like, I just bought some chewing gum. All right, buddy, have a good one. It's too easy. It's too easy to give a root canal nowadays. We all take for granted how easy it is to get some of these operations, these procedures that would have fucking ruined your life 50 years ago. They would have ruined your relationships, your job, your entire sense of self worth. It'd be destroyed if you got a root canal 50 years ago or maybe 30 years ago. It's just so easy now. The reputation preceded it. It insists upon itself. All right, who has HBO? Raise your hand. Uh Uh-huh, you in the back. Oh, you were just stretching. Okay, who else has HBO? Okay, you, you, you don't, but you're trying to find somebody else's login and password. Okay, you have it. And yeah, you in the back, you have HBO as well. Oh, you're just stretching? Okay, sorry. No, it looked like your hand was raised. You're just stretching? As I'm asking this question, you're just stretching. Okay. All good. Well, if you have HBO, have you seen the Tiger Woods documentary, the two-part series? The reason I bring this up is because if you like to understand psychology, not golf, not golf, but you just like to understand child psychology, nature versus nurture, these fascinating topics, it's very watchable. And I'm not even talking about the scintillating, gossipy, celebrity has affairs, extramarital affairs the infidelity that was all episode two people know about that and it's not even a surprising tale a very wealthy professional athlete has a lot of sex with a lot of women that aren't his wife okay they spend you know 40 minutes on that 45 minutes on that and i didn't find it to be that interesting because i already knew it but the first episode of this documentary series was so sad. And yes, I'm talking about Tiger Woods, who most people would view as a total success, right? A total success in his field. His field is golf. Has he succeeded? Uh, Yeah, he has. But if you look at his life, after watching the first part of this documentary, you start to wonder how much suffering he's endured. And I know it's come to the surface, all the trauma with some of his substance abuse and the painkillers and DOIs, And the arrests and the crashes. There's so much ugliness when you look at how it spiraled out of control. And it seemed almost mysterious. Most people wondered, why is his life spiraling out of control? Why doesn't he just continue on the path of success? Dominating his sport. Beautiful family. Are you kidding me? Wife, kids, dogs. Nice home. All the money he'll ever need. Was it good enough? Of course not. The type of hole in his soul that could never be satisfied could never be filled is totally based in the way he was raised. And I think most people tell the story of, oh yeah, he was a golf prodigy. His dad put a golf club in his hands when he was a little kid, when he was a toddler and he just played golf as a kid as if it's that simple, but we're still talking about a human who was not allowed to explore any other interests. He was the parent's robot. He was a puppet, a golf puppet. And his dad Earl was a big presence. Tiger's mother and father, they had tunnel vision for what they wanted his life to be, his career to be. And Earl had grandiose thoughts of, you know, Tiger Woods is going to create such diversity and bring this sport into the black community, and he's going to be godlike. Well, he was godlike in the golf world, but he didn't bring many more black golfers to the sport. There was a study on that a couple of years ago. After Tiger Woods, how many more black golfers attempting... This sport? And the answer was not that many. It's just not accessible for so many people that can't afford it. And it remains that way. That's why it's so sad when you see what sports kids coming out of the inner city are focused on. Usually it's the sports that don't require access fees or a lot of equipment basketball, boxing, football. The idea of playing hours and hours and hours a week, all those green fees, having the top clubs. Not a lot changed in the world of golf. Not a lot changed. Even the NCAA numbers have revealed that. Are there more black college golfers? Absolutely not. So I think his dad had this hope. Maybe that's a noble hope that my son is going to break through into this sport and everybody is going to notice him and try to be like him. Instead, I think it was just good for golf ratings. Like everybody liked watching Tiger play golf. But it didn't really create this following in the black community that now you're going to see a lot of these great black athletes try to become pro golfers. That just never transpired. But what did transpire is a career that always seemed mysterious. Tiger never, and still to this day, never let a reporter get to know him. Has never done an interview where he revealed himself because he probably doesn't know who he truly is on the inside. Just a world of conflict. You want to please your parents. That's part of being a kid. You want to please your parents. Well, to please your parents, you pick up that damn golf club and you spend the entire day on the links. What about pleasing yourself? What if you want to hang out with girls? What if you want to go to the movies, the mall? What if you want to try to play football, basketball, baseball, ping pong, anything else? No. The answer was no. In Tiger's world, the answer was no. And it wasn't just, hey, please don't. It was abusively no. He would get in trouble if he attempted to have friends or girlfriends even if teachers tried to guide tiger into any other path like just explore your interests his parents would get pissed off one of his first girlfriends was interviewed for this documentary and she talked about how fun tiger was and she even had footage she had old video camera footage of tiger woods truly having fun unlike any footage i've ever seen of tiger it was so cool like genuinely laughing and smiling and dancing you never see that You just see the stoic robot, very measured, very measured throughout his professional golf career. But who was the guy? No one's ever really known. Well, his dad, who forced him to play golf every single day, was a womanizer and a drinker. And he would park the van. He had this big van. He would park the van near these golf courses where Tiger would just train. I'm talking about 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12-year-old Tiger Woods would just train. And his dad would bring a bunch of different women into this van to have sex with, to drink with. Keep in mind, Tiger had a mom who was married to his dad and Tiger was just exposed to watching this. So adultery was normalized. Tiger idolized his father and his dad was a cheater and a drinker, unapologetic. And their relationship really soured and the documentary goes into that. And then when Earl dies, Tiger starts to spiral a little bit. The party animal is released. And he still does a pretty good job of shielding his true colors, the tiger within, of shielding himself from the media. But then he gets caught, and then it becomes the huge scandal. And I don't even want to get into that part, but it's more fascinating to think about the parenting style that led to such a high level of success in the field that they wanted him to succeed in golf. But what about life? He has struggled. He has absolutely struggled in life. To this day, he's struggling. He's always going to have to fight demons. He's going to have to wonder, was that parenting style good? I mean, it did result in nurturing my skill and a lot of money and a lot of fame, but was it good? Who would actually want that life? I'm asking you right now, who would want to be raised that way or raise their kids that way? If I did that as a dad, if I just said my daughter's going to be a gymnast, no, she's not going to be hanging out with friends at the park. No, no, no. She'll be training. And even if she became a gold medalist, was that good parenting? Or is that shitty parenting? Or is that borderline abusive parenting? Oh yeah, she'll be a gymnast. <laughs> you wait and see. She'll be the best gymnast ever. We'll homeschool her. Nah, no, she doesn't need to go to parties, proms and rallies. She doesn't need to be inside of a classroom. Are you kidding me? She's going to be on her way to the Olympics and that's all this family cares about. And when she's on the cover of that Wheaties box, you'll thank me. It just felt so gross. Gross to watch how Tiger was raised, where they stifled any of his other interests and presented this package of a guy that loved his parents. And maybe he still does. Yeah, love is interesting. You could love through a lot of adversity. Who loved his parents. Very smart guy on his way to Stanford and then a beautiful blossoming golf career. This HBO documentary is so dark in so many ways. And they got so many sources and interviews to actually tell what his life was like. Worth watching? Hell yes, worth watching. And I bring this up because he was just in a car crash a couple of weeks ago, and everybody who saw that story was wondering, uh-oh, what was he on? And initially the reports are that he was sober, just just a car crash, nothing to see here. But everybody had the same thought. Oh no, Tiger Woods in a major car crash where he had to have a major leg operation. What was he on? How high was he? Most people thought that. And if he was sober, fantastic. But I think battling sobriety, it's just going to be a monster he tackles for the rest of his life. All right. For a sports dork like me, anything that's like behind the scenes, in-depth coverage of the athletes, it's just always so good. I've discovered this about myself. I think I like sports documentaries more than the actual games nowadays. And on the topic of the actual games nowadays, the coverage is so ridiculously extended and out of hand and long if the Warriors have just a middle-of-the-week game, Warriors taking on the Nets tonight, tip-off 7 o'clock, pregame gets underway at 4.05. You're like, Four, what? Three hours of pregame and after the game? Stick around for seven more hours of Warriors recap, followed by Warriors post-game, and then Warriors outsiders. You're like, it's just a regular season, middle-of-the-week game. And you got about five hours sandwiching this game of just analysis? Just talking heads and pundits, breaking it down. Well, Steve Kerr has got to give some more minutes to Wiseman. And if he doesn't, I don't know if you're nurturing him properly. Hey, you watch what you're saying. Wiseman's going to be fine. Just people arguing and talking, breaking down the keys to the game. The keys to the game. Here are the keys to the game. What you need to see for the Warriors to win this game, hours and hours on the radio, on TV, on Twitter, on the web. Holy shit. I get it. Everybody's trying to make a buck. All of these networks trying to make a buck. However, do you remember how it used to be? Your local sports coverage on TV? Do you remember? After the news? Or after Laverne and Shirley? Or after Three's Company? Or after some game show? It would just be like a minute of the play-by-play guy giving you an intro into the game and then they were ready to tip off. You remember this? Throughout the 80s, into the 90s. You just have some stupid sounding music and the play-by-play guy would come on you remember this right punky brewster would just end there'd be like one commercial for the clap on clap off light and then right into the play-by-play guy tonight from atlanta the warriors are trying to break a seven game skid Taking on Spudweb, Dominique Wilkins, and Kevin Willis, it's gonna be a tall task in front of them. But can Sharunas Marshalonas rise to the occasion? We'll find out right here on Action 36. And then a live stand-up of your TV play-by-play guy and the color commentator. Hi again, fans. Chase Daniels alongside Lester Montgomery. At the Omni for what should be another boring game tonight. Didn't matter. You could take any two teams. Any two teams. A mash rerun just ends. Quick commercial. Tonight. In San Antonio, the Admiral David Robinson has one thing on his mind, and that is resting his nuts on the shoulder of Terry Porter and the Portland Trail Blazers. Tonight, the Blazers are bringing that fierce in-the-paint attack all the way to Texas. In the Lone Star State, we'll see if Sean Elliott and Terry Cummings have an answer right here on Action 36. That was it that was your pregame show silly music play-by-play guy saying silly shit let's tip off let's tip off all right my two dads is over quick commercial silly music it's time for the warriors game good Daniel Marshall is back from his injury and the Warriors are trying to snap a 24-game skid. Can they do it tonight? As they roll into Houston, Akeem, the Dream Olajuwon has one goal, and that's to make sure the Warriors get back on the bus with frowns on their faces. Don Nelson's hoping that the fans don't rebel, revolt, and stage a coup to rip him out of his position. But tonight, the Warriors are trying to send the league a message, and that is that they are a professional basketball team. Hi again, Steve Albert and Jim Barnett. Nope. All right, let's try this again. Let's just go through some other TV themes. Sports TV themes on Spotify. Oh, yeah, yeah. Ernie. Yeah, you can hear Ernie Johnson right now. We'll kick it out live to Charlotte. Charlotte where LaMelo Ball has the Hornets balling. <laughs> should be a doozy tonight as you're looking live over the city of Charlotte. It's going to be a frenzy as the Hornets welcome in the New York Knicks, who still suck, always will suck, and forever will suck. Hi, sports fans. My name's Josh, alongside a guy named Steve. We've never met, and today we'll talk about sports. TNT theme. So good. All right, let's keep going. Back at Market Square Arena, Dale Davis, Antonio Davis, Rick Smith, the Duncan Dutchman are all taking a back seat to Reggie Miller, who will not be passing the ball at all. But Reggie Miller will be shooting the ball. And the visiting Chicago Bulls are coming in. Have you ever heard of this number two guard for the Bulls, Mike Jordan from North Carolina? I think he'll be pretty good. Solid analysis, Roger. Back to you, Karen, in the studio. Oh, NBA on NBC. You loved it so much. What about this one? What about this one? Oh, okay. Oh, I would go see this band live. That's hot. That's almost heavy metal. See, this doesn't scream NBA to me. NBA on ESPN. Huh. Okay. Okay. Tonight, catch Detlef shrimp fever as the Supersonics, led by Kemp and Peyton and a fellow named Hersey Hawkins, bring their A game all across the country to the city of brotherly love as the Sixers, also known as the 76ers, to celebrate the birth of this country, go toe to toe. Wait, is the music stopped? Okay, the music has stopped. Does that mean our pregame show has stopped? Does that mean my intro is done? No more intro? Okay, well, I guess we'll just say Sonics taking on the 76ers. Okay, that's too much copy. Just talks to his producer. Uh Uh-huh, way too much copy. Because I only had a little bit of music, and I needed more music to fill that copy. Should we do another, or should I just say goodnight? Ah, let's do another. Let's go back to that silly intro. It works for other sports, too. Let's go, uh, let's go an A's game. A's game. Let's go 1990, A's on the road, taking on Ellis Burks and the Red Sox. Punky Booster just ended. Quick commercial, plugging your nightly news.
0: Here we go. The A's are hot. The Eck is hot. Fresh off
1: filming his latest porno, Dennis Eckersley is hoping to send the league a message and make a statement and save the day coming out of the bullpen as Dennis Eckersley plans to close it out tonight against a very, very hot Boston Red Sox team. Can it be Hendo Dave Henderson with his gap tooth taking that ball up, up and away, high into the sky and over the green monster in Boston? You'll have to find out next right here on action 36 and we're clear okay Dwayne, none of that was written on the copy you were supposed to say the bash brothers are looking to lift the a's to their fifth straight win what the fuck was that about dennis eckersley and the porno set come on
0: oh come on come on come on
1: and you know what that was you want to know what that was it was better than all the hours and hours and hours and hours of pregame coverage you get for every single mundane, run-of-the-mill, average game on TV today. Just give me the one minute of the play-by-play guy reading a little copy over some dumb music, and now I'm as amped as I would be for this game as any sort of pregame coverage out there. That's all I need. That's all that I
0: need. That's all he needs, and then it's not That's episode 130. Here we go with Josh Rosenberg, and Gonson out, and The 8 gone, and the kids are back. The campus is filled with masks and masks. I don't know if it's safe or not. Don't think twice, it's all right. And there ain't no... Nope, okay, Uh, that'll be episode 130. You
1: ordered it. I served it. Jumbo-sized. There you go. Leave a rating on iTunes already. Come on, wake up. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. There's a little nudge at the end. It's just a little nudge. Just a little peer pressure from your boy. All right, this episode's in the books. I'll talk to you soon.